so I haven't I haven't finalized an intro yet. <laughs> but um so yeah, so this is the Healing Broken Hearts podcast. Hello, everybody. As you already know. <laughs> and um it's all about creating a movement with sharing people's stories. And so I have Wasim here. Hi. <laughs> My amazing friend. We're gonna do quick introductions and then just get into his story. So hi Wasim. Hello, hello. So yeah, my name is Wasim. Um, I guess you and I have known each other for about, what, 45 years now? Yeah, I think so, just about. <laughs> yeah, give or take. Um, so I'm Raisa's co-worker. And over here we have... Raisa. And uh, yeah, so I guess we can just go into it. Yeah, we'll go into it. So for those who haven't heard um, any other part of the story, or any of these podcasts, essentially Healing Broken Hearts is um, is a movement that I've wanted to create, which is really taking the time to get to know people, hear people's stories, and just really evoke a change and just really inspire people to bring about the change in the world that, um, that needs to be done instead of hoping that everyone else is going to do it, just inspiring people to, to take the change upon themselves to like stand out and, and speak up and fight for things that need to shift so my hopes is with sharing people's stories is allowing people to realize um, the reality of what we all go through all the struggles we go through and um, hoping that by hearing other people's stories we know that we're not alone that we're not the only person or people who go through things that we've gone through but yet even then to hear hopefully inspiring stories of victory that really lets others know who might still be struggling that there is sunshine on the other side of the storm and we still can work together to bring about change and um yeah so right. i think that's it right <laughs> i think i think you summed it up yeah, I think yeah. You're good. Alrighty, so rasim tell me i don't know your story yet so i'm kind you of don't. excited yeah i've been keeping this a secret for a while yeah um, <laughs> this is taking too long so yeah um growing up in a Middle Eastern household, Afghan in specific, uh, family has always been a big part of our lives, as is yeah. with a lot of cultures. So um, we used to live all around San Diego, and then my aunt, who's not really my aunt, is more like my mom's cousin, but we say aunt, uh, told us to move up somewhere in, Mar in um, San Diego called uh, Rancho Penasquitos. Okay. So at that time they were living in Rancho Penasquitos, so we just moved all of a sudden one day. And we go to Ranch Mosquitoes, and yeah, um, it was my my aunt, my uncle, and three of their kids, uh, Mehdi, Meheran, and Farah. So we grew up basically brothers, sisters, cousins. Mm -hmm. It was a good time. Um, and then they moved, I believe, it may have been beginning of high school or end of middle school, they moved to North Carolina. Okay. And we were all bummed because you know, they were like, they're our family and basically our siblings. Um, so they moved to North Carolina and the oldest is Mehdi. Um, he was yeah, the oldest and then his uh, younger brother, uh, Mehran, and Farah was the uh, youngest one. Okay. So how old were you? I, at that time when they moved, I was probably 14. 14, okay. Yeah, 14, 15. So you were not born in San Diego? No. Okay. I was born in Kabul, Afghanistan. Okay. Which and then is, you came here when you were 14? No, I came when I was two. When you were two? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, when I was two. Um, but we moved all around San Diego just because when we came here, we were immigrants. Okay. So we were living in uh, Lemon Grove. 
-hmm. and then from Lemon Grove, we just shifted around San Diego, and we ended up in uh, French Mosquitoes for most of my childhood, really. Okay. I think we're when we moved to French Mosquitoes, I was about middle of fifth grade, so however old I was in fifth grade, Mm -hmm. that's when I moved. So how was that um, just, I mean, so your family moved here, you were only two, but how was that for you culturally? So because I don't really remember too much from Afghanistan, because mm-hmm. um, I was two years old, I do remember, and everyone laughs at me, but I remember riding a camel and the camel spitting at someone. Really? And that's the only <laughs> thing I remember. No yeah. one believes me, but my mom was like, how did you remember that? So I don't know. <laughs> um, that's the only thing I really uh, remember but because growing up my parents didn't really know too much English Mm -hmm. so I grew up just only speaking Farsi okay and then slowly I learned English so just growing up in that kind of household is very interesting because you're conflicted at times Mm -hmm. because you're living in the Western culture but when you go home it's back to your parents culture Mm, Um, so balancing that out was tough at times Um, which that's a whole, a whole, nother. whole other <laughs> thing, yeah. But so, what were some challenges that you faced? Would you say just throughout life and making sure that I didn't upset my parents mm-hmm. and or I didn't upset my friends? Because at times there were certain things that we could do and we couldn't do. Like a very a simple example would be hanging out. So. Me, me just going over someone's home was very outgoing for my parents. Okay. Um, I didn't really start going out to people's homes really until I was like 15 or 16. Oh, wow. Um, so because of our the big influence of family, most of our childhood we were hanging out with family. Mm-hmm. So weekends happen, we go to my cousin's house. They come over to my house. So it was very family orientated, which is cool. But at the same time, it's my other friends here were like, well, that's kind of weird. Why are you always hanging out with family? Why aren't you hanging out with us? Yeah, yeah. Um, but after a while, it was cool because my friends understood what I was going through because mm-hmm. they've been through it since I was young. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I moved to Ranch Mosquitoes a little bit older, um, it was even weirder because I was like, I hit middle school. Mm-hmm. And this may sound funny, but I didn't really start hanging out until like high school. With friends. Uh, with and, friends and yeah. hang out going to movies and stuff. Like, I would go to a few birthday parties here and there, whether it be Chuck E. Cheese or my favorite all-time birthday party was In-N-Out, and I've never had In-N-Out <laughs> since that one time. I think I was 12. Um, that was the most amazing birthday ever. But, yeah, so till high school, really, um, it was kind of, it was my uncle advocating that, too, for me. Because mm-hmm. my uncle, he was a little bit younger than my mom, so he was the one advocating a lot of, you know, let him do something with his friends. And, yeah. Um, once I hit high school, 14 years old, it was weird because I didn't really have, well not for, 14 years old, yeah, 14. I didn't really have friends. Um, so I'd work in the student store for lunchtime because, I don't know, I didn't have that confidence. And was it because your friends were your family? So it was, did you have like a hard time? separating yeah. that or I think I, venturing out? I, I knew where I stood mm-hmm. with family and friends, but again, it was still very weird for my other friends once I moved mm-hmm. um, for them to realize like what's really going on. Because um, growing up, my dad only worked 
and her mom stayed at home because yeah. she had five other kids. Mm -hmm. um, and then one um, needed a little more extra help. Mm -hmm. So I think it was kind of out of the ordinary that my mom was at home at all times. Mm -hmm. So I know from most of my friends, their parents, uh, both their parents worked. Yeah. So they didn't see them until later on. Whereas for me, it was more like my mom was everywhere. Uh, would show up everywhere. Um, so yeah. yeah, I think it was out of the ordinary, I guess. Yeah. Uh, that actually reminds me too, because I think my mom, so my family moved from Puerto Rico to the States, mm -hmm. and it was also within oh. our culture. My mom didn't work for a really long time. She was always home as well. So like you're saying, I just I just have memories of, of my friends when I made friends, of just being like, wait, but just curious and maybe maybe a part of them also weirded out because it wasn't their norm and it wasn't what they were used to so kind of growing up with that for me personally i always felt like the odd one yeah and then english wasn't my first language either so mm -hmm. there were some challenges i faced with that as well yeah definitely but, i remember uh when i was in kindergarten so i didn't know this and this is the funny part that i thought are we gonna bleep this out yeah we can if you want okay the S word, so shit, that yeah. word, I thought that was in Farsi. Because when I was growing up, I'd hear people outside uh -huh. saying shit, 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 shit. Uh -huh. And then I told this girl in kindergarten saying, hey, let me teach you this word in Farsi. And I told her, oh shit. <laughs> I swear, the next thing I remember is there's me in the principal's office or the wherever the person is for kindergarten is office and my parents, they're explaining... <laughs> Because we weren't, weren't really living in the best area when we first came. Mm. So I've heard a lot of slangs. I've seen a lot of things that kids shouldn't be seeing. Mm. Um, but for me, I thought it was a word. And I guess I was flirting with that girl back in kindergarten. And, uh, <laughs> Starting young. Next thing I know, <laughs> you know, I'm in the principal's office. That's too funny. So talk about a little bit of cultural shock, huh? Yeah, so. that's so funny. That's that I remember too, like... <laughs> My mom's gonna probably kill me, but so some of the words that we would say like a bed sheet, mm -hmm. sheet would be pronounced shit, mm -hmm. and it was just like the language barrier. And I I remember always thinking like, oh shit, was like a sheet that you put on your bed, <laughs> but it was just it was just mispronounced growing up. So I remember that in beach as well. Mm, yeah, like those are very common, especially <laughs> with us too. Sorry, mom. <laughs> I love you, mama. Um, so yeah, okay. So tell me more. What are some other challenges you? you faced was it so you're coming from a different culture different upbringing your family you know raising you probably brought in their culture from Afghanistan then you have the culture from the United States um, which would be considered um, Western mm -hmm. culture and the struggle with making friends um, what else what are some other struggles that you went through did you have a hard time kind of figuring out where you fit along all of this or yeah so I guess um, my first year as a freshman um, my uncle was a big advocate he, I think with my uncle I mean because he was younger and he understood more of the Western culture mm -hmm. that he understood what I was going through because mm -hmm. uh, he was also young when he was here I think he was in his like high school age when when he was in America also uh, so he understood the challenges so with him he not forced my parents, but told them that I should join the football team. Yeah. And I love football. Um, grew up playing football, 
um, with the backyard outside. I joined one football league. I was playing flag football, mm -hmm. and then I got a concussion. I don't know how, and my parents said no. Yeah. So it was a good like five years of me not playing on an actual team, mm -hmm. but I kept playing outside with my friends, backyard, whatever it was. Um, but he told me to join the football team, so I joined the football team. And the first half of the year, Beep. I was just a short kid, not athletic at all. I thought I was athletic, but I was not. <laughs> Looking back at the pictures and videos, I was like, oh, that cringes. Um, so even though with that, I joined joined the football league and it was cool having your teammates but I didn't share that bond yet with them mm -hmm. which is unfortunate because I guess it was me reintegrating into society mm -hmm. by joining the football team and being out at these practices until 7 or 8, 8 p.m. Um, so they all knew who I was but they also knew who I was yeah. they knew I wasn't the guy to go hang out because of my yeah. parents because of my family and that's just our culture and which blows my mind just really quick to think of that because knowing you now, yeah. like you are the most outgoing, sweet, friendly person. You say <laughs> hi to absolutely everyone and make friends with everyone, make a point to know their name. So to think that there was ever a point where that wasn't the case for me is like hard to to take in. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's so different. Uh, like night def and day. Definitely socially awkward my freshman year. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I'll be working in the soon store. Um, on my lunch breaks, on lunchtime, and some of my classmates would ask, why do you work there? And I was like, oh, could you get free Powerade? Who, could, <laughs> who doesn't want free Powerade? <laughs> um, and then there was this Afghan dude, he was a senior. His name was Eddie. Everyone at school knew him. This is Eddie, the big Eddie. And he's Afghan, I'm Afghan, and I would cross, like, cross my wage with him, and he would do a little head flick, like, what's up? And mm. I get all shy. Because <laughs> this, this, this big guy that everyone knows at school, he ran the school, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, I guess halfway through the year, he messaged me. Well, someone messaged me on um, AIM. So, Instant Messenger. The American For those Online. who yeah. don't know. <laughs> yeah, sorry guys. Uh, American Online Instant Messenger. So, it was this guy, and his username was Eddie the Colioni. <laughs> and he messaged me saying, hey, this is Poseem. And I was like, yeah, who's this? And he was like, this is Eddie. And I, like, fangirl, I'm like, the Eddie? Is this the Eddie? The high school Eddie? And he's like, yeah, man, calm down. This is Eddie. Um, so he's like, telling me, hey, you should come hang out with us. Um, you know, hang out with us uh, during lunch. And what he, he used to hang out with, like, the other crowd, I guess. It was mainly, mm -hmm. like, Middle Easterns. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you had, like, a variety of people. Because at the high school that I went to, it was a lot of white people, a lot of Asians, and it was like on the other. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't really to an extent that it was segregated, yeah. like hated on. It was just that people just had their own cliques. Mm -hmm. um, so he told me to come hang out with them one day, and I did. So the next day I'm all wearing like my best outfit that I can find and the best shoes I can find. And <laughs> um, you're like, yeah. Walked up to him <laughs> and I was kind of walking with like this like swagger kind of walk. but. <laughs> Felt like my leg was about to give out, and then so I walked up to him. He's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Just chilling, man. What's up?" And I, I'm trying to act all cool. He's like, first of all, stop. Don't don't do that walk ever again." And so I was just shadowing him for the whole week. Mm -hmm. He's like, "Hey, wherever I go, you come with me." That's cool. All right, cool. So slowly but surely, people kept saying hi to me. 
people say what's up to me because I was walking with him. Yeah. So I wasn't sure if they're saying what's up to him or me or both, <laughs> but I'll take it. And then I remember everywhere he would go, he would give every girl he saw a hug. A hug. Mm-hmm. Viewer discretion. I've only given one hug <laughs> since middle school and high school. Like at that point, like I'm in my, my freshman year because also in our culture is like, Dating is a big no-no, and mm-hmm. you know people do it, obviously. But to my to my family, it was like a big no-no. Mm-hmm. So, like any kind of contact. At first, and okay. then, but that is how we grew up. And then after the the years went on, it it kind of just that, that was gone. Whatever. Yeah, because yeah. I guess, and to my parents' uh, defense, it's their first time raising a kid in the Western civilization. Yeah. So they didn't know what, what was up. Yeah. And looking back on it now, I, I'm kind of glad. That that the way that they raised me because I do feel like I learned a lot of respect and other morals from them mm-hmm. so I'm giving you props mom <laughs> and dad so I would just uh, go out walk with them and then I'll ask them one day I'm like hey how do you do that it's like, but how do you go hug these girls <laughs> he was like what are you talking he looked at me like it was the stupidest question ever and mind you he's also Afghan so he definitely broke that culture barrier somehow. Yeah. So he's like, this is easy. Just go talk to them, be friends with them, and, you know, it just comes naturally. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right. So then he was telling me, he's like, by the way, maybe you should put on some cologne, too, because <laughs> you kind of stink. I was like, I have deodorant on. He's like, you need more than deodorant. <laughs> so I will never forget this day. I woke up early, took my dad's musk from yeah. the bathroom, and it's like that brute musk. Uh-huh. The green, uh, the green bottle. Showered yourself in it? Oh, yeah. I, so, not at home. I went to the school uh-huh. locker room, put it on. Just put it on everywhere. And about like 40, 50 feet away, I'm walking towards him, and he turns back. Doesn't see me, just turns back, makes eye contact, points his finger, and says, go back now. <laughs> so, we go back. He's like, dude, I can smell you from all the way over there. What are you wearing? I'm like, it smells good, huh? He's like, No. <laughs> You put it on, like, show me the bottle. I showed him the bottle, it was like less than half left. He's like, how much was in here? I'm like, the full. How many times do you think you're gonna use this? He's like, oh, two times, right? I'm like, no. He's like, no, 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 no. So he made me shower right then and there. So, I never showered at high school. So I'm showering at high school, and he's like standing watch, making sure no one comes in. Uh, showered up, and he gave me his clone to guide. One spray on the neck, two on the chest, one on the wrist, and then you rub your wrist together. Yeah. So to this day, that's what I do. <laughs> now you smell a lot better. You don't smell like a walking perfume shop. It's so crazy, I you know, to think how, because I'm a firm believer that people come into our lives at just the right times. Mm-hmm. And to think like, is Eddie? Yeah, Eddie. Like, he, like he took you under his wing, essentially. Oh, yeah, he did. And showed you the ropes. And like, to think like, had you not made that friendship, how there could have been a different shift or direction for your life. Oh yeah, I mean, Eddie, he, like, I feel cool. like him and my uncle were one of the biggest influences in my life, not only in high school, but in my life. Yeah. Uh, it turns out that Eddie, Eddie's grandpa and my grandpa were best friends, apparently. Get out of in here. Afghanistan, back in the day. That's crazy. So his family knew my family. Yeah. So he brought me over once and I see his mom, like, I think I know your mom, dude. And then his mom was like, oh, you're so-and-so's like son and you're so-and-so's grandson. I'm like, that's yeah, crazy. so definitely, I'm, I, I agree with you. A firm believer in people come to your lives for reasons. Yeah. And honestly, if if Eddie didn't come in my life at that time, yeah, I don't know who I'd be, what I'd be. Um, all my jokes, all my 
confidence and like my social stuff comes from him really um yeah. i hope you're listening to this because um yeah he 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 was my biggest influence so my var- my varsity year because uh, i continued playing football mm-hmm. after my freshman year things were a lot better yeah uh people knew me teachers knew me mm-hmm. everyone knew me as eddie's cousin yeah so i'm like, oh, yeah i'm eddie's cousin so varsity year my we're playing um a, before a playoff game our coach tells us to get a picture of someone or, or like your family that you love mm-hmm. laminate it and we're gonna put it under our pads mm-hmm. uh, because we're playing for them tonight so I found a picture of my best friend Sabrina mm-hmm. and my cousin Eddie. Yeah. They took this picture when they were younger, when they were freshmen. Uh-huh. So it was crazy. I don't know how I got that picture to be honest. I think he gave it to me or she <laughs> gave it to me. And then a while ago, then I laminated it, put it under my football pads. And then they said, when we, when we, when we win the game, go give the picture to them. So we won that game. Mm-hmm. And I see Eddie, and I took it out. He's like, what is this? I'm like, we're playing for you tonight. And I think at that point, I probably ended up crying too, but he also teared up. Yeah. Uh, but he's not one of those tearing up guys. He's one of the macho guys. Like, yeah, yeah. Even to this day, he's macho. He's like 30-something years old, and he's still that, what you're looking at kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. But the sweetest guy ever. So he's definitely a um, huge influence. Even to this day, huge influence in my life. That's amazing. Um, and for those listening, I think that just is an amazing highlight. And I hope becomes an eye-opener on how one person can make such a huge impact yeah. on someone's life. Even something so simple as, you know, someone else might think like, oh yeah, what Eddie did, you know, that's not that big of a deal. Sometimes we think of bringing change and making a change in someone's life as something monumental or huge, mm. but the biggest differences can be made in, in just the smallest moments. You know, him letting you know like, hey, you're a yeah. little doused in some <laughs> cologne here, Douse let's bring is it down. Uh, yeah, underrated term. You know? But even that's to show like, because a lot of people during the high school time, like, oh, Eddie, he's like a bully type of guy, but yeah. if you think about it, he knew, he didn't know who I was, I and mean, now we know that we're related somehow, yeah. if we are related, uh, but he's not my cousin. But he went out and gave his hand out to someone that he knew was like struggling. Mm-hmm. And I feel that, and I, to this day, I have no idea how he got my messenger name. Yeah. So I have no idea, I haven't asked him yet. That's crazy. But, yeah, this is years ago, this is 15 years, 16 years ago? Yeah. Oh, I'm too old now. But anyways, <laughs> going Let's b- not date you. Oh yeah, let's not, let's not, ha <laughs> two years ago. But, yeah, to this day, I don't know how or who we got it from and just for him to reach out really shows like the type of person he is and yeah. he was back then um it's amazing and i'll be honest with you without him i'm not sure if i would be in this world right now yeah because high school everyone knows high school is very challenging it is challenging especially too i feel not only is it challenging for a number of reasons hormones and transitions and changes but even culturally too, mm-hmm. you know, when when you don't necessarily fit into the culture that you were going to school in, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. Yeah. Um, there's just even newer challenges that that come with all of that. So. But it was super cool because then Eddie would come over to my house and pick yeah. me up, and we'd go have food. That's dope. And my mom was so cool with it because she knew Eddie's family. And all yeah. That. I think 
not the problem, but the fear of my mom is the fear of the unknown, right? Yeah. Doesn't know where I'm going, well, who I'm going with, and if I'm a good judge of character and all that stuff. Because yeah. um, with me, I, me being the oldest, it was a lot for me, and anyway, looking back now, mm-hmm. it was harder for me. But I think I was more like the punching bag at first, because now my brothers, uh, who are younger, mm-hmm. have a lot easier time. Oh, than of I course. Did. <laughs> and it makes sense, though, because they went through all this stuff with me. Yeah. Because um, you're the oldest from yeah, your siblings? The oldest, yeah, yeah, so you're you're making the path, you're making yeah. the way. And especially being the oldest in like a new community, a new culture, yeah. a new new nation, really, right? Yeah. Um, so looking back, I mean, yeah, so I've gone through a lot, but I've also had that, like, that support. Yeah. And even after high school, because Eddie was a senior, I was a freshman. Mm-hmm. So Eddie, Eddie graduated, and I was like, man, Eddie graduated, what am I going to do with life? And he was like, Dude, you'll be good. Mm-hmm. He was right, I was good. Um, but even after high school, he would come out and pick me up, and we'd go eat. eating. Is I mean, not sure if it shows, but I'm, I love eating. <laughs> And, um, food is delicious. Food is Let's great. Put that out there. <laughs> and so he would take me out to these places all the time. And I think we were talking like two weeks ago. He's like, you know how many times we've eaten at this Mexican place? Because we'd always go get carne of fries or some sort of like great junk food. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And then he mentioned that he's like, you know how much money that we spend on you? <laughs> And I'm like, hey, I paid some time. He's like, you probably paid a few times. Like, you're right. Uh, but he's like, yeah, I was just doing the math for the one year. I could have saved so many thousands of dollars. Oh, my gosh. But he was messing with me. Yeah, that's um, funny. Yeah, to this day, you know, he's that's still awesome. a very strong figure in my life. And so so that was a moment, right? This transition with high school. And um, what would you say is another moment for you that where you felt rock bottom or where like there was another person who just really made a huge impact in your life and potentially changed the course of of your life if any yeah so going back a little earlier with my cousin Mehdi um he definitely big influence in my life he was one of those so going back when we were younger um when the Game Boy first came out Mm, I remember that Pokemon (laughs) Pokemon Blue came out. They got the Pokemon game, and I was totally jealous of them and all that stuff. But he didn't even open the game yet. He let me play it, and I was I was older than him by a few years. But I was like, man, this guy's cool. I like him. And then when they moved, it was you know it was a very sad moment that their family moved because I love, I still love their family. Um, but while he was in North Carolina, he was doing a lot of big things. Mm-hmm. Um, in high, so he's a very athletic dude, played soccer. Uh, in high school, he opened up this uh, interfaith club. Mm-hmm. Um, first club at the school to be interfaith because he felt like people weren't, didn't know really about other people's religions, cultures, and faiths. Mm-hmm. So he opened this up, <clears throat> trying to create like the conversation. And as the first one at school, and no one really dared, I guess, to make it because. I don't know, no one thought about the idea, and he made it. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, wow, you know, if, how, how's he so knowledgeable, and how is he so wise, and he's like probably, I think he's like three, four years younger than me. Mm-hmm. And like, that's really cool. So I tried doing more things like that too. I guess I was following his lead. 
Yeah. Ever since I was younger, even though he's three, four years younger than me, mm-hmm. I'd always follow his lead. And so he's just a very kind person, um, religious in his own own way, very kind. People loved him. He was very social also. So it pushed me to be more social. Also. Yeah. And it was never a competition. It was more like I saw so much good in him and I wanted to be just as good. Yeah. I knew I would never reach it, but I wanted to reach some of it. And then when Hurricane, I believe it was Hurricane Katrina, when it first hit, he was the first one in the state of North Carolina to start a fundraiser for Hurricane oh, wow. Katrina. And it was a huge thing. And I was like, how is this, like... So selfless. Yeah. And he's in high school, but he's so selfless. Um, and very smart academically. And just a big inspiration for just you. Just overall. Yeah. Like from when we were younger, from like young, young to like yeah. even now. Do you think he realized that? I don't think so. Yeah. No, I, I don't think he did. Um, so his senior year, he. Is a valedictorian? How do you say that word? Valedictorian? Yeah, valedictorian of the school. That's crazy. And he got into Harvard. What? Oh, man. He had That's all... sick. So he got into Harvard. Um, and then a tradition, and I say tradition with quotes, tradition mm-hmm. of the school was the valedictorian of the school climbing up the school wall mm-hmm. and basically saying... This is my name, and this is where I'm going to, right? Yeah. So he climbs up, and he yells, my name is Mehdi, and I'm going to Harvard. Or so I've heard from my his other friends. Uh-huh. And he's climbing down. And as he climbs down, um, his foot slips. Uh. His foot slips pretty high, and he's falling to the floor. And his friend told us and, and his family that the last words that he said was in Arabic, meaning there is no God but God. Mm-hmm. There's only one God. Mm-hmm. And he fell down. Mm-hmm. Hit his head pretty hard, and he got up, and um, he didn't know what was happening. He's like, where am I? Who am I? What's happening here? Yeah. And um, took him to the hospital. Uh, took him to the hospital, they uh, ambulanced him in, and um, long story short, he passed the day bef- day of graduation. Uh. So everyone knew what happened to him. So just the graduation itself was a very somber moment, oh, I've been told. I'm sorry. And um, so he was supposed to give a speech. Uh-huh. And um, he wrote down the speech, and everyone, uh, the, the teacher knew about his speech. Mm-hmm. And then I believe he passed the morning or during graduation. Mm-hmm. Um, but his favorite teacher gave that speech instead. Oh yeah. And um, yeah, he he posted it on a website also earlier, um, or his uh, sorry his his family did after he passed. Um, some speeches that he wrote and gave mm-hmm. and so I think it was called The Gardener so yeah he passed and um, everyone after graduation rushed to the hospital you know to give uh, condolences and just yeah. share the grief with my aunt and uncle 
Um, and I, earlier that day, I went to a funeral. It was my um, best friend's grandpa's funeral. Mm-hmm. And we were at the funeral, and it was a very somber moment already. And I'm very upset because I knew the grandfather, not for too long, but I knew he was a very kind person, mm-hmm. and the world would miss him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was there supporting my my best friend and their family, who now are like my second family. But and I got home, and then um, my mom was. It looked like she was crying, or something, and then um, I'm wearing like my suit that I came back from the funeral. I'm taking my my jacket off, and my aunt and uncle are home too. Mm-hmm. Um, my other aunt and uncle. And I remember exactly, I was behind the kitchen counter and my mom told me that your cousin Mehdi passed away. Yeah. You know those moments that people say that you lose like every muscle in your body and you completely just fall to the floor? Yeah. I physically literally just fell to the floor. I didn't have, I didn't have the strength in my knees to hold me up and I just fell. Yeah. And I cried hysterically for hours. My mom and dad tried coming in, telling me to, you know, it's okay, calm down. Yeah. And at this point, like, I've always looked up to Mandy. Mm-hmm. I've always talked about him with my other friends. But I guess, even with me, I didn't know he was that big part of my life. Yeah. At this point, I probably didn't see him for about five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, on and off. Um, probably saw him for like a day or so, but... Because he was living in North Carolina. Yeah. And he would always tell me, well, see, you need to visit North Carolina. You need to come out and yeah. visit me. I kept saying, I do, I will, I will, I will. But, you know, time, yeah. never, time never came. Life happens. And he would always ask me. I remember the, one of our last conversations was like, how about them chargers? Yeah. Because he was, I think he was the only guy in North Carolina that liked the Chargers. <laughs> uh, because he was from San Diego. And he was. Patriots. No, I'm just yeah, kidding. Okay, it's a whole different podcast now. <laughs> um, so he would still rock his like old raggedy Chargers sweater. Yeah. I saw a few pictures of him wearing that sweater. And I'm like, all right, you're good people. Um, but yeah, one of our last conversations was uh, how about them Chargers and mm-hmm. when am I coming out? Yeah, um, I guess with just being in the mix of life, like, because I was in my second year of college, mm-hmm. so just uh, dealing with what am I going to do with life and dealing with other parts of aspects of life. Yeah. Like, we, had, we, we didn't lose connection, we just, it was kind of the, um, the familiar thing, right? Like, we know, like, oh, family, they're never going to leave us, and they'll yeah. always be there. Yeah. And... When he, when I heard about the news, I just, nothing on my mind but him, and yeah. I wanted to see him, and I wish, you know, once someone passes away, you have all these wishes, huh? Yeah, of I course. wish you could have done this, woulda, coulda, shoulda, right? Yeah. And I told my mom, like, we're going to the funeral, right? Mm-hmm. And she was like, I don't know, it was North Carolina, and I was like, if you don't go, I go. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think, you know, I'm not a big guy on flights. I hate flights. Fear of flying is one of the biggest things. I'd rather fight a baby bear <laughs> than going on a flight. Putting things in perspective yeah, here. Yeah, not a big bear, but like a baby bear. 
Like a uh, little baby bear. Yeah, a little cub. I would rather do that than go fly. Yeah. But I was like, no, mom, I have to go. Like, this is something I have to do. So we booked our flight. Mm -hmm. And of course, I booked the wrong flight. Oh. So we were supposed to leave that morning at 8 a.m. I booked the 8 p.m. flight. Uh. And it's 5 a.m. right now, and we're looking at tickets. Like, mom, I think I effed up. And back and forth, yelling, yelling, but let me, let me fix this. And we called the airline people. I'm like, hey, huge emergency. My cousin just passed away. And long story short, they figured it out. Oh, that's good. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> but we ended up leaving around 1 instead mm -hmm. of 8 p.m., so that was good. We got there, and we're at my mom's uncle's house. Because um, they were living in the same city in mm -hmm. uh, Raleigh, uh, North Carolina. Um, so we're there. And then... That same day, no, the next day actually, uh, we all woke up and we had to go to the funeral. Mm -hmm. And this was in the summertime. East Coast in the summertime, my first time ever feeling oh, yeah. was disgusting. <laughs> Humidity, <laughs> heat. Yeah. It was raining and it was still hot. Yeah, not like the West Coast. And, I have, and me being man, this West Coast spoiled kid, I had no idea what this was. What's this humidity you guys talked about? <laughs> So we get to the funeral home and everyone was there. And when I say everyone, I mean like anyone and anything and everyone you could think of. Yeah. From every religion, from every place around the world, you had rabbis at his funeral. Wow. You had priests at his funeral. You had a sheikh. Every, like, because the interfaith community that he started, everyone was there. That's right. I want to say thousands of people were there. Wow. And this hundred and some degree temperature, yeah. bright sunny day, so hot, everyone's wearing black a suit, they're all there. Mm -hmm. And that blows my mind. And mind you, the whole time from like plane ride to arrive in North Carolina, I was always like, not crying, but somber, very tearful. Mm -hmm. And once I saw all these people packing this funeral home, still standing outside, I, I just lost it. Yeah. I just started crying and I couldn't stop it. There was no, no one could have told me anything that would have made me stop crying at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I see his mom. Mm -hmm. And his mom is surrounded with her sister, my mom, and other immediate family members. I can't look at the mom. Yeah. I looked away real quick. And for the rest of the time that we were in the funeral home, I did not make eye contact with her at all. Yeah. So then, I, I want to say thousands of people were there. That's wild. So then we had, um, we carried the casket from the funeral home downhill. Uh-huh. I want to say about half a mile maybe. It was okay. pretty far down. Or it seemed like half a mile. Um, carried... And usually the close family members, immediate family members, they help carry the casket. Yeah. And I see my uncle, and we're both exchanging mutual tears. Mm -hmm. And he tells me to come here and uh, I grab this part of the casket. So I put it on my shoulders. I didn't feel if it was heavy. I didn't yeah. feel if it was light. I just was walking. Tears flowing, mixture of sweat. So it was probably sweat and tears. Very salty substance. <laughs> um, and we were walking down. And 
physically he was here, right? Because his, yeah. his, his body was here. So I'm like talking to him while we're carrying his body. And um, as you know, I'm a, I try to be a funny guy. <laughs> so while I'm carrying his body or the, uh, the cascade, I'm talking to myself, I kind of talk, uh, talk to him. Why you gotta, you gotta pass away during such a hot time, man? <laughs> it's hot. It's, yeah. What are you doing? And I guess it was me just trying to make light of the situation, I guess. But yeah. it didn't work. Because I started laughing <laughs> to myself and then practiced. I started crying. And One then, of those like laugh, laugh, yeah. laugh thing, yeah. And, and, and from there, I just couldn't. So we came down, and his brother was next to me, too. Again, I haven't seen them in years, right? Yeah. But same guy, like, the same people that I know. It was them. It, like, it was as if time didn't lapse. Mm-hmm. And they were still living with us in Ranch Mosquitoes. Yeah. So we we came down, and uh, we put the, uh, the casket um, on the grass. And, you know, um, there you see the big... The big casket size hole. Hole, yeah. Um, and they slowly put the casket in. And um, family members and members of his community, whoever they are, they would um, take some of the dirt and like use it with their hands and yeah, fill to, it up. Yeah, fill it up. Throw some in. And then the last, once the dirt's all back up and once there's a mound, mm-hmm. You're supposed to, family members are supposed to um, uh, flatten mm-hmm. uh, uh, the mountain. Mm-hmm. So it's me, my uncle, his brother, and I think uh, his uncle and other people too. And we're just, you know, yeah. making it as smooth as possible. And I look at my hands, and I just see dirt. Mm-hmm. It's dirt, and I. I it's for me. Still, I still cannot believe that at that point he's not with us anymore. Mm-hmm. And everyone's around me is completely in tears. I'm telling you, the, the people that you would never expect at a funeral were there. Yeah. And they all share the same sentiment. They're all extremely sad, extremely disheartened. And my mom. Because my mom and my aunt and some of the others, they uh, stayed up in the funeral home because my aunt couldn't walk and she's like, there's no way I can do mm-hmm. this. So then my mom calls me saying, hey, you need to come say hi to your aunt. And I was like, mom, there's no way I can say hi to her. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could ever say hi to her again. And she's like, no, you need to. I know I need to. So I'm walking up. Again, it feels like the half mile mile. This now feels like Forever. 10 miles. Yeah. And I'm walking up the hill. I'm not tired. All I am just full of sweat, tears, and... and what I mean sweat, I mean it's really hot, okay? And I'm wearing <laughs> black in the suit. And it's <clears throat> East Coast summer. Oh my God, I don't know how you guys do in the East Coast. Um, for those who are listening, but kudos. <laughs> and so I finally reach up to the funeral home. And probably like 20 feet away from it, and I'm still being what are you going to say? What are you yeah. going to What are you going to say to your aunt? Yeah. How you feeling? Well, of course you know how she's feeling. Hope you're okay? Like what am I saying? Yeah. So I called one of my friends and said, like, "Hey, quick question, what do I do?" 
and they're like, just do whatever's natural. Just go say hi to your aunt. Mm-hmm. So I hung up the phone and I opened the door. And you see my aunt sitting down there with a few other women around her, sobbing in tears. So I go up to her and she kisses my head and I kiss her hands. And she grabs my hands mm-hmm. and dumb me as she wash my hands. And she's all the dirt on my hands. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you had to do that with them? Like questioning. I think she was uh, surprised because everyone in the family knows that I'm also a sensitive guy when it comes to like people leaving, either, yeah. either going on a trip or coming back, I, I'll start tearing up. Yeah, yeah. But um, she was surprised I didn't. And I was like, yeah, you know, and I'm trying to make it seem as casual as, you know, as it is, but again, starts crying again. I think I lost a lot of weight crying because all my water weight was gone. Gone. Um, and I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop crying. I cannot stop crying. Yeah. And then I was like, Mom, I have to go. Like, talk to my mom. Like, hey, I'll see you guys soon. Walked outside and I just couldn't stop. Mm-hmm. So, mother, um, mom's all this came up. I was like, all right, let's go home. That's where we're staying at. This is her, her uncle and his kids. So we get home, and like, let's go try to watch a movie, you know, get get your mind off things. Didn't work. When I'm in this funny movie, still, you know, yeah, of somber. And yeah. At that point, I realized, like, it's okay. Like, it's okay to be sad. Yeah. It's okay to cry. Who cares about those stereotypes of masculinity and all yeah. that stuff? And I was like, I don't care. I was just going to say, like, it's so crazy to know or to think that we live in a culture where showing emotion during probably one of the most challenging points in your life or anyone's life, it's just like, no, like, be a rock. Don't mm-hmm. show any emotion when I am sure the what you want to do is just let it all out yeah. and scream or yell or whatever that may look like. And Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the next day um, they had a, a memorial. <clears throat> As if you were thinking that you're at this wedding hall mm-hmm. and think of every table filled up. Yeah. There was all these people again. And I'm like, yeah, show up again. Like, again, at least, this time was at least 500 people. Wow. Because it said max occupancy, 800, and every mm-hmm. every table was taken. Mm-hmm. And it was at this big hall. And I see a sister for the first time. Because I didn't, I'm not sure if I didn't see her or if my mind saw her, you know, obviously. Yeah. So I see her and I give her a big hug and I'm like, hey, I'm very sorry, like, I don't know what I can say. And she looked at me, she was very sad, but she gave me a smile. And she was like, he's with God, so it's okay. And it blew my freaking mind because she's at this time like 14 or 15, she's younger. Yeah. When, when they were living here in, in Ranch Pasquito, she was like two or three. Yeah. And we'd always make fun of her. And now I'm looking at her, this is such a mature teenager and she said it's okay he's with God now so matter of fact and I was like in my head I'm like I think she's in shock I don't think she realizes what's happening right now yeah. or what happened because if that was my brother God forbid and, you know the different story but 
she put things into perspective and yeah i was like how do you how do you think of that like how does that come to your head i mean obviously she was you know she, she was in tears and whatever but she gave that smile and said he, he's in heaven mm-hmm. he, he's with god now do you think that moment changed like perspective on life or like just like the direction of your life going forward just having that that moment with her and it did in two ways mm-hmm. i think at that point it made me even more sad yeah because i was selfish and he's not in this world physically you know like yeah how do you not, see yourself selfish because i wanted him at that time I, wa- I even now i wanted him here with me yeah i wanted him to know how I really felt about him because to this day I don't think he knew yeah uh, and I don't think his family knows either or my family to be honest is my friends know because you know I open up a little bit more with my emotional side with, with my friends yeah my mom knew because when we were flying mm-hmm. and she was like wow really like you really meant a lot I'm like yeah he meant a lot yeah and at that point I was selfish I was like I want you here right now mm-hmm God, why did you take him away? Yeah. Bring him back. Let me talk. Let me talk to him for an hour. Just yeah. give me an hour, and, and we'll all be good. Yeah. Um. So I was very sad of myself. I was like, "Don't be selfish." And, and I know that word sounds very negative. And mm-hmm. at that point, you know, but that's just how you know that's that's real talk. That's how I felt at that time. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, <clears throat> it made me realize how to this world I guess I am like so this materialistic world right because mm-hmm. this 14-year-old here telling me like he's with God he's, yeah. he, he's good I, those her words to this day still render in my soul mm-hmm. I think a week after the when we came back from North Carolina I tried making like making sense of everything yeah and I sat down on my bed once and I was like, God, I understand, but I don't like it. I hope that's okay. Yeah. Because um, this is me, this is not me being biased, obviously I'm biased, but he was perfect. Mm-hmm. And I feel like once you reach that perfectness, yeah. this world's not for you anymore, I think. Yeah. So I feel like he's moved on. Like, God's like, you know what, you, you passed your test, good job. Time to go. Time to hang out in heaven. You, no. you graduated from this life. Yeah. And that's why I keep telling myself to this day, he graduated from this life. Mm-hmm. Smartest kid, athletic kid, such a good-looking guy. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's one of the things too. Like, I've had close people pass away in my family as well, aunts, uncles, cousins, and you know. Every moment is never easier, even though you've been through it, even though no, you've experienced it's, it. It's been years now. It's been years now. <clears throat> mm-hmm. been years now. Um, I think actually last week or two weeks ago, it was his um, death anniversary. Yeah. And where, uh, yeah. It's been years now that he passed away. Um, I think it's so important, too, to, to celebrate the life, right? Yeah. Because, like, you know, we're talking about, about something tragic. Um, a tragic death and just death in general is something that we all will will die Mm -hmm. you know at at some point and um, it's so easy in my opinion to get so hyper focused on the sadness 
that comes with death, obviously, um, because someone is gone and will no longer be here. But I think it's so important to always celebrate the life that they lived. And for that to be like this, this reminder of how crucial it is for us to live our best life because it's not guaranteed, you know, because tomorrow isn't promised. And um, it's so important each and every day, I think, to, to just do the best that you can and smile and, you know, cry if you have to, but just to, to live this life that we've been blessed to have because um, it's not, it's not guaranteed, but. No, it's definitely, I mean, definitely not. Even after the memorial, we're leaving like two days later. Yeah. The day before that we left, I was like, I need to go back to his like, funeral site and yeah. uh, to his grave and just talk to him one-on-one. -on -one. Uh -huh. It's like five or six in the morning, I went to, the, went to his grave site and um, it's pretty close from the house that we were staying at. So um, drove down there and early in the morning, it was still hot. It was so hot. I don't know how you got to do it, but it was like 84 billion degrees out there. And but I just sat down. I sat down uh, right next to his uh, grave with, you know, the dirt still fresh, and just sitting there and sitting with him, just talking, and basically telling him all these things that I didn't tell him while he was here in this world. Mm -hmm. And just talking to him and. That was one of the hardest parts because I think at that point it clicked that he was really gone. Yeah. Because it's just, just me and him. It was yeah. me, him, and God. And yeah. we're all having conversation. And I told him, I was like, you know what? I always compared myself to him. Not in a negative way, but in if he can do all these amazing things, I, I can do a fraction of it. <clears throat> yeah. And I talked about all my plans and what I wanted to do and just having a conversation. Yeah, yeah. And it was hot. And then when I started crying again, I swear on everything I love, I just felt the coolest breeze mm -hmm. during that hot, humid, 90 billion degree morning. Yeah. The coolest breeze to just calm my nerves, to make me literally I stopped sweating at that point yeah it was I was cool it was like AC was on me and it was that for a good like minute uh -huh. I was like alright it's like and, that peace and I felt that and yeah. that feeling I have never felt again mm -hmm. but it was at that moment where I really said goodbye yeah it's kind of like the last moment where he just giving me a hug yeah yeah and um to this day, to this day, uh, every day goes by and I think of him. Mm -hmm. There's not one day that I don't think about him. Mm -hmm. Everything that I do, things I do, I think about him. Mm -hmm. um, I remember uh, they were interviewing me my last year at San Jose State when I was mm -hmm. uh, graduating. They're just interviewing people and um, and see what their motivations were in life and all that stuff. And I told yeah. him it was my cousin Eddie. Yeah. Uh, the reason why I I do all this, the reason why I try to be so good, is because of my cousin Eddie. Yeah. <clears throat> and so my little um, my little announcement at 
at the college when I was graduating because um, we were allowed to put on pictures yeah. of ourselves and stuff. So on the actual uh, paper, I wrote down, uh, this is for you, Matthew. Yeah. And then on the, um, on the screen, when my parents were sitting down and watching, there was this big, huge picture of me and him. Mm-hmm. And we only had our, our younger pictures because, I don't know, as, as life went by, we didn't take pictures as we got older, but uh, I just put this huge picture and I graduated. He graduated with me, kind of thing. Yeah. And um, it's sad because every funeral that I go to, that I've been to after, mm-hmm. whether it be a family member or like a family friend, or whatever, and it sounds sad, but I never get to that point that I was at at, at his funeral. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I feel sad. Obviously, all this stuff. But I guess once I was at his funeral. Yeah. It was like the bottom of the bottoms. Yeah. Because he died so young. Yeah. And then one of my aunts told me, like, God understands no religion, no culture, no mm-hmm. no sex, nothing. No age. Yeah. Death comes. But I guess why it was so hard is because he was so young. Yeah, yeah. He had his whole life in front of him and all this stuff. And <clears throat> it was tough. Really tough. And I think until... Two years, two years ago, I got, not got over the sadness, mm-hmm. but I realized that it's completely okay. Yeah. And it was that moment when my son was born. Yeah. Uh, it'll be two years next month um, that he was born. And when God gave me him, mm-hmm. you know? I think what, like amazes me is you know for those who don't know you the way that you carry yourself is so full of light and brightness and joy and you're always joking around you have this amazing sense of humor like everyone gravitates towards you and I think sometimes even myself I forget that even with all that joy in light there are times we carry a lot in our hearts and in our shoulders day to day whether it's you know something sad or tragic or unfortunate that happened but just to see like I respect you so much seeing so many challenges that that you've gone through that you've shared now or that you haven't even shared that people don't know about and to know that you still make the decision to be an inspiration and shine so bright and just really like like you have a way of lighting up the room and um it's it's crazy to think that that that's something that you had within that you know you were struggling with or hurting and it's possible that no one knew because of how bright you are but I just respect you so much to see you like with your best self every single day just really like (laughs) just motivating people and getting everyone together and getting everyone to have a good time and brushing away the drama like that's because you could have made the decision to be bitter. You could have made the decision to be a jerk. You could have made a decision to be angry at life and angry at every single person you came across, yet you chose to be the opposite. And um, that's, I feel like that takes a lot of courage because it's so easy to, to become bitter when there's a lot of sad things that happen in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I appreciate it. It's <clears throat> Obviously, it's, everyone goes through certain things, right? Yeah. And, and I feel like we can never compare one sorrow to another sorrow because yeah. it's just the way that we take it, right? Definitely. Um, so 
to this day, it's like, he's always on my mind, but I try to think more positive, positively now. And mm -hmm. like, all right, so what can we do here? And what should we do here? And yeah. um, I was really close to name my kid Mehdi. Yeah. Really close. And then um, my mom talked to me and completely put a whole new like aspect of me. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you could definitely name Mehdi, but your cousin will always be your Mehdi. Mm. Yeah. And all of the stuff you guys went through, that would be your Mehdi. Yeah, yeah. Your son will be yours as well, but yeah. he's not the original, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you're right. He's not the OG. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. So, um, so let's talk about some things that you have done since then. Like, what, what are you doing to that like brings you joy, and that that you kind of do in, even though you know you go through these lows, even though you might have some struggles, what are some things that you do to kind of, that always brings you or picks you up? So I try to not mimic him, but I always ask myself, like, what would Mehdi do? Yeah. Kind of thing, what would he do right now? So try to enjoy life. Yeah. And by life, I don't mean like necessarily the material aspect of it, just uh -huh. enjoying like nature, enjoying things like God has created. Yeah. Because that's what he was doing. That's what he would be doing right now. Yeah. So I do photography. Yes, you do. I'll take... Badass photographer. I, I'm all right. <laughs> um, but I'll do pictures. Yeah. I picked that up when I was in college. Um, mm -hmm. I'll do photos. I like to play sports. Football. I've been playing the soccer league this year. That's awesome. Uh, I've never played soccer in my life, but I was like, hey, let's, let's give it a try. Why not? Yeah. Uh, maybe used to play a lot of soccer. He was good. Oh, my gosh. If you see me today playing soccer, you'd probably laugh, and, <laughs> I'd, and I'd probably join with them. Yeah. But no, photography, sports, and just helping people, mm -hmm. whatever I can, whether it's the smallest thing or the biggest thing. Yeah. I just wanna. My end goal in life is just to help people, and it sounds corny, but just somehow make a difference. Yeah. Whether it's in one person's life or a billion people's lives, right? Yeah. Like I feel like we're in this world for a reason. Mm-hmm. And. While I was in college, uh, I flipped my car over three times. Oh, wow. Flipped my car over three times, fell asleep on the wheel. I was going to work. We were opening early. Yeah. I flipped my car over three times, and I woke up upside down. It was one of those movie kind of things. Woke up upside down with, like, blood dripping, and my uh, driver's side was completely, like, smushed on the floor. And wow. the passenger side was... A, which I, up uh, facing the sky mm -hmm. and I was like did I die like I, feel, I literally mm -hmm. feel like I'm in like somewhere where I died and I'm like no you're definitely alive yeah because I felt the blood dripping all that stuff and oh wow um I, I climbed up the passenger side window mind you I've never done a pull up in my life and I still can't <laughs> do a pull up in my life by that point every adrenaline available in the world was given yeah. to me Constant and I just you. pulled myself up because the uh, steering wheel was crushed on my legs so I don't know how. Whoa. And those that can't see me, I'm a bigger dude. So I just pulled myself up. Mm -hmm. And I started running because I'm like, the car's going to explode. Because all it smells is uh, gas. Yeah. Oh my gas. Goodness. And my car was overheats. Yeah. Um, but I only walked out with a fractured arm <laughs> and some glass in my hands. That's wild. And I realized, like, 
you know what? I could have, I could have easily been taken away. Yeah. Uh, easily been taken away from this life, but I was given more chances to stay. And um, that's why I'm a firm believer of I'm in this world for a reason. Yeah. Uh, whatever it may be, I am here, and I want to make the most out of it. That's and, uh, amazing. That's so crazy. Yeah. To think that you went through that. Crazy, huh? Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, I, you, I mean, you know me on a personal level. I'm a firm believer that we're all here for a purpose too. Mm -hmm. I think that we're all called to, to bring a change into this world, and you know that's a huge part of this project and creating this movement is because I with every single ounce of my heart and soul, I believe that we're called to make a difference and bring an impact. And so um, to just hear someone else echoing the same uh, feeling, it just I think that's just even more confirmation that, yeah. <clears throat> that we're all called to do something epic. And epic can mean so many different things, but um, yeah, for those who don't know, I have Wasim as the director of photography for Healing Broken Hearts. Yeah. And so, um, just you know, I think this is a great opportunity to talk about this. That that one of the things that we will be working towards is um, is creating a book, a magazine mm -hmm. of sorts with photos that are going to um, hopefully inspire people. And we're going to take quotes from all of these interviews we've done to really hopefully pull on some heartstrings and and uh, inspire this movement. So, what do you hope to get out of that? What do you think, Wasim? <laughs> <sighs> Whether it reaches one person, again, or it reaches a million people, um, I just want people to know really that you're not alone. Yeah. Even though at that time of whatever's happening, you may feel completely alone but people have gone through or going through some stuff too yeah and that you're, you will be okay you'll yeah. be okay um the biggest thing is not feeling alone because once you're in that alone kind of corner nothing looks good to you mm. a, a rainbow can look like the most horrific thing that you've seen yeah. you know and at that point we must realize like hey Something's up. Like we, we we gotta get out of this funk. Yeah. But I think yeah, our my biggest goal anyway, just people to know that shit happens. Yeah. You know. It does. Sorry, bleep happens. <laughs> um. And it is okay, and yeah. it is okay to feel upset, mad, sad, angry, whatever you you know. Mhm. Mm I feel like it is okay to question like why certain things happen because. Yeah you'll find the answer yourself. Yeah. I know a lot of people say, oh, it's bad to question, like, what happened? But I don't think you're questioning the authority yeah. of God, per se, of what's happening, but you're questioning, like, why is the situation happening at this moment? And we may never find the answer. Yeah. Like, I may never find the answer why my cousin was taken. I feel like he was taken because, you know, there's nothing else that he could do in this world before it came before he would change I don't know yeah um, but I, I do know that we've all gone through stuff and we will it's keep going so through true. stuff and that's life mm -hmm. life loves ups and downs I mean as, as, as corny as it is there's no light without darkness 
or vice versa, right? Yeah. And it's the corniest line ever, but it's one of the lines that really is about life. Like, we don't know happy without sad. Yeah. Right? You can't enjoy happiness if you haven't felt no. sadness. Yeah. Because... And you can't appreciate the light if you haven't gone through some darkness. And it's okay to feel that. It's yeah. okay to feel, feel both, right? That's like my yoga instructor <clears throat> told me, Kendra, I think I missed... I mentioned this in one of my other interviews where one of the biggest things that she spoke of that really made an impact in my life is we all go through things and it's okay to ride the wave ride that moment whether it's disappointment or anger frustration or even joy whatever it is we get sometimes our culture gets so caught up in just not facing it not embracing it or just rushing through it and she she always said, just ride the way. It's like when you're surfing. For those who surf or um, don't, you get the idea. But when you're in the moment, just allow yourself to go through that. And when the time comes, move on. Mm-hmm. But by allowing ourselves to just be in that moment, I think, like you're saying, it's, it's okay. It's fine. Like, um, I think one of the biggest things is, is to ask for help. I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that. Yeah. And it's okay to it's ask okay. for help. You, you shouldn't feel less of a person. You shouldn't yeah. fit in those stereotypes. That it's not okay to ask for help. Um, one of my biggest supports when I was going through all this was my parents. Yeah. Like, as I, as I mentioned before, um, family is such a huge part of my life. Yeah, mine too. And Beep. especially with, like, the masculinity, right? Like, the men, especially in, like... Mm. I think it's, like, in every culture, too. It's, like, you... You shouldn't feel like this because you're a man or whatever it may yeah. be. But one of my biggest supporters was my father. Yeah. My father and my mother, yeah. With, And I thought my, my, my parents were going to be like, calm down, it's okay, whatever. But my dad would sit with me and he would talk to me. And I feel like those moments in life brought me closer to him too. Yeah. Because that was one of our first times where we really like connected. Even after my car accident, after, his, after my cousin's death. He was so connecting with me and he would, he understood why I was sad and he yeah. never said, stop crying, be a man. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's one of the, I respect my dad a lot because of that kind of stuff because him growing up in his culture, you couldn't do that. Yeah. So. And I think too, for those <clears throat> who, you know, who might be feeling like, oh, well, I don't have a family member or I don't have friends who I can connect with there are so many resources out there like and and I know for some it it might just be kind of not disheartening but just I don't know how to explain it but there's a crisis hotline for a reason like Mm -hmm. Like, don't ever feel like you can't reach out to these hotlines or to a therapist or to some stranger or just to to the people who are out there in your community who genuinely want to help and be there for you and help as much as they can along the way. I think the biggest thing, one of my biggest struggles was always being vulnerable enough to reach out to someone for help. Mm-hmm. When I finally got past that fear of vulnerability, I realize that there are truly so many people out there who who are willing to help you know but you have to also courageously step out and seek help when you need it um but but yeah i uh 
I mean, people know my story and, you know, that I shared. And, um, I mean, the biggest moments that I struggled was when I isolated myself and was afraid to, to ask for help. But when I did, it really, really made a huge impact and how, you know, I had interviewed James for my first interview. And one of the things he said that really stuck with me is like, even when we go through all these tragedies and heartbreaks and rock bottoms, because it's, it will happen in life. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, but when it does, we have two options. We can either choose to go about it in a negative way, or we can choose to go about it in a positive way. Ride the wave. Yeah, and ride that wave. Um, but yeah, there's just so many resources out there. Well, and that's what I'm also hoping with this with this project also, Healing Broken Hearts, that it creates a community, it creates, yeah. you know, another natural support, I guess, mm -hmm. right? Of Definitely. reaching out to people and I know it seems very cliche or whatever but if you feel like you have no one in life and there's no one to talk to reach out to me reach out to Raisa yeah I'm sure that we that we would love to listen and we can't promise that things will be better but it's better than being alone at times yeah. you know and of course, there's those times where we need to be alone, just ponder certain things. But yeah. to go through such a difficult experience and traumatic, negative, whatever you may call mm -hmm. it, experience, it's always good to ask for help. Yeah, and that just reminds me too, um, as we come to a close, that one thing I always want everyone to remember, and I say this genuinely, is that that you are amazing. You know, every single one of us is amazing. Every single one of us has so much talent. Every single one of us life is worth so much more than words could ever describe or imagine. There is only one of us in this world. Yeah. And so that means that there's only one person that can, that can um, fulfill our calling and purpose. You know, like there's only one of us with this, these unique qualities and because sometimes I remember in those moments where um, I struggled with wanting to commit suicide, I always felt like my life didn't matter. I always felt like my life meant nothing, that it was meaningless, I was kind of sick of going through everything I was going through. But I'm still, I'm so grateful for everything that I went through because it shaped me into who I am today. And I can speak to so many people because of it. But that's always what I want people to know, that you are valuable, you are amazing, you are gorgeous, you are badass, you are a superhero. Even in the moments where we don't feel that, like, I, I don't know, I just want to like hug people and just give them a big kiss and be like, no, dude, like, you rock. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Every single person listening, like, you seriously are so badass and are going to do so much in your life and your life is just worth all of it all the ups and downs um, because we're each called to change the world and so in closing what is just one thing that you want people to kind of for it to stick with them and for them to remember no matter no matter how hard things get just keep going uh you know life's a journey not a race, you know, everyone, everyone experiences life at a different, different pace. So never really compare yourself yeah. to what you're doing, to what other people are doing. Mm -hmm. uh, like I mentioned earlier with my cousin, I was comparing him to an aspect of like what he was doing. Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily of how he was doing it or when he was doing it. 
Yeah. It was more like I wanted to feel some positivity in my life, like, like he was doing. Yeah. So don't don't ever think that you're below someone or above someone. I guess the one last thing I can say is just do you. And yeah. Just keep going. I like that. So thank you so much, Oh, thank you for having me. For taking the time, and thank you to everyone for listening, and again... Thank you, everybody. If um, if you guys want to share your stories, or if you have any questions for Wasim, um, you can email healingbrokenheartsproject at gmail.com. You can DM us at uh, Instagram, healingbrokenheartsproject, also Facebook, same name. Any questions, any curiosities... um, you know, I, we're always down to do a second interview and just dig into any questions you guys might yeah. have. But thanks so much for listening. Of course. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you all. And yeah, as Raisa said, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, <clears throat> just say it. Yeah. Because we can't read minds yet. Nah, you know? not yet. Not yet. <laughs> That'd be a dope superpower, though. Yeah, I would. <laughs> all right, guys. Love you all. Thanks, guys. And as always, just wanted to give a quick shout out to Swanson Beats for making the beat to this podcast. Thank you.